Welcome to another episode of the Books for You podcast, where together we rediscover the stories and imaginations that empowered yesteryear's future. We are glad to have you along. I am Stan Palmer, the narrator and host of Books for You. Right now, we are rediscovering the stories of Thornton W. Burgess, an American author of children's books and stories set in nature written in the early 1900s. Mr. Burgess loved nature and the little animals that lived there and was able to bring the beauty of nature to life with his beloved stories. Here is one of them. This is the story entitled, Billy Mink's Swimming Party. Billy Mink was coming down the bank of the Laughing Brook. Billy Mink was feeling very good indeed. He had had a good breakfast. The sun was warm. Little white cloud ships were sailing across the blue sky and their shadows were sailing across the green meadows. The birds were singing and the bees were humming. Billy Mink felt like singing too, but Billy Mink's voice was not meant for singing. By and by, Billy Mink came to the smiling pool. Here the laughing brook stopped and rested on its way to join the big river. It stopped its noisy laughing and singing and just lay smiling and smiling in the warm sunshine. The little flowers on the bank leaned over and nodded to it. The beech tree, which was very old, sometimes dropped a leaf into it. The cattails kept their feet cool in the edge of it. Billy Mink jumped out on the big rock and looked down into the smiling pool. Over on a green lily pad, he saw old Grandfather Frog. Hello, Grandfather Frog, said Billy Mink. Hello, Billy Mink, said Grandfather Frog. What mischief are you up to this fine sunny morning? Just then, Billy Mink saw a little brown head swimming along one edge of the swimming pool. Hello, Jerry Muskrat, shouted Billy Mink. Hello, your own self, Billy Mink, shouted Jerry Muskrat. Come in and have a swim, the water's fine. Good, said Billy Mink, we'll have a swimming party. So Billy Mink called all the merry little breezes of Old Mother West Wind, who were playing with the flowers on the bank, and sent them to find little Joe Otter and invite him to come to the swimming party. Pretty soon, back came the little breezes, and with them came little Joe Otter. Hello, Billy Mink, said little Joe Otter. Here I am. Hello, little Joe Otter, said Billy Mink. Come up here on the big rock and see who can dive the deepest into the smiling pool. So little Joe Otter and Jerry Muskrat climbed up on the big rock side of Billy Mink and they all stood side by side in their little brown bathing suits looking down into the smiling pool. Now, when I count three, we'll all dive into the smiling pool together and see who can dive the deepest. One, said Billy Mink. Two, said Billy Mink. Three, said Billy Mink. And when he said three, in they all went, head first. My, such a splash as they did make. They upset old Grandfather Frog so that he fell off his lily pad. They frightened Mr. and Mrs. Trout so that they jumped right out of the water. Tiny Tadpole had such a scare that he hid way, way down in the mud with only the tip of his funny little nose sticking out. Chugaroom, said old Grandfather Frog, climbing out of his lily pad. If I wasn't so old, I would show you how to dive. Come on, Grandfather Frog, cried Billy Mink. Show us how to dive. And what do you think? Why, old Grandfather Frog actually got so excited that he climbed up on the big rock to show them how to dive. Splash! went Grandfather Frog into the smiling pool. Splash! went Billy Mink right behind him. Splash, splash! 
went Little Joe Otter and Jerry Muskrat right at Billy Mink's heels. Hurrah! shouted Mr. Kingfisher, sitting on a branch of the old beech tree. And then, just to show them that he could dive too, splash! He went into the smiling pool. Such a noise as they did make! All the little breezes of Old Mother West Wind danced for joy on the bank. Blacky the Crow and Sammy Jay flew over to see what was going on. Now, let's see who can swim the farthest underwater, cried Billy Mink. So, they all stood side by side on one edge of the smiling pool. Go, shouted Mr. Kingfisher, and in they all plunged. Little ripples ran across the smiling pool, and then the water became as smooth and smiling as if nothing had gone into it with a plunge. Now old Grandfather Frog began to realize that he wasn't as young as he used to be, and he couldn't swim as fast as the others anyway. He began to get short of breath, so he swam up to the top and stuck just the tip of his nose out to get some more air. Sammy Jay's sharp eyes saw him. There's Grandfather Frog! he shouted. So then Grandfather Frog popped his head out and swam over to his green lily pad to rest. Way over beyond the big rock, little bubbles in three long rows kept coming up to the top of the smiling pool. They sewed just where Billy Mink, Little Joe Otter, and Jerry Muskrat were swimming way down out of sight. It was the air from their lungs making the bubbles. Straight across the smiling pool went the lines of little bubbles, and then, way out on the farther side, two little heads bobbed out of water close together. They were Billy Mink and Little Joe Otter. A moment later, Jerry Muskrat bobbed up beside them. You see, they had swum clear across the smiling pool, and, of course, they could swim no farther. So Billy Mink's swimming party was a great success. One of my favorite family memories growing up was a spontaneous water party one hot summer Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. I want to say it would have been around 1975. I know it was a Saturday because Dad didn't go to work that day. Feeding the many young tummies in the family on an insulator's pay was certainly doable, but not always easy. So, Dad worked as much as he could to provide the needs of his family. I don't remember him ever taking a sick day. I don't believe that it was because he was never sick. As humans, we all have our days, but the family needed the money, so unless he was physically incapacitated in some way, he went to work sick or not. Some might describe him as a workaholic, but I never saw him as that. He loved to work, that was true. He was very healthy and looked young for his age, that also was true. But looking back, he simply did what he needed to do to ensure his family's basic needs were met. Anyway, on this particular day, the desert sky was blue as it usually was, and the air was very warm and very dry, not unlike a different day when I experimented and watched an egg cook on the sidewalk. This day was one of those type of days. Luckily, our home had a huge cottonwood tree in the front yard. It was very tall and full of green leaves, providing delightful shade for those who got underneath its leafy limbs, and it helped shade the house as well. On the morning of this memory, my father had determined to do some yard work, and all of us boys had been drafted to help. At the time, I only had two sisters. Later, three more would come. 
But those two sisters were in the house, both being very young at the time. Dad had the wheelbarrow out. Perhaps he had purchased some inexpensive flowers to be planted for my mother from the local Kmart. Or, more likely, perhaps we were repairing the PVC pipes in the sprinkler system. Whatever the real reason, all the males in the family were out in the yard, working. I think the littlest brother was assigned to water the plants, while those of us who were older were given various garden tools to weed the flower beds or edge the grass along the sun-baked walkways and driveway. We had all been assigned a job, and expectations were set. The hot summer day began to take its toll. Thirst was real. Frankly, it was as good an excuse to take a break as any, so water breaks were also frequent. Once one of us boys was thirsty, it seemed the rest of us would be reminded of the heat of the day and our own parched throat, and we would go over to wherever my little brother was holding the hose to drink from the running water pouring out. If someone took too long a drink, one or more of my brothers and I would voice displeasure and attempt to enforce fairness and try to take away the hose. To solve these little skirmishes, Mom brought out a stack of Tupperware cups for us to use when we wanted a drink, which was just as well, as we learned that the cups could be filled faster than waiting in line for your turn at the end of the garden hose anyway. Although, personally, there was just something about drinking out of the cool, free-flowing water as it exited the green garden hose. Somehow, the unconventionality of drinking from the end of the hose made a cool drink on a hot summer day all the more special. The Tupperware cups Mom brought out were rather tall, she handed each of us a cup. We each found and then proclaimed a special spot around the yard for our cups to reside, so we would know whose cups were whose. No one wanted to drink out of somebody else's cup. Ugh. These cups were pretty big. They could hold a lot of water. But my dad had an extra large cup. He had taken to drinking what he called tonic, a daily drink that was a mixture of water, a tablespoon or so of apple cider vinegar, and honey. It was good for what ails you. Dad would say. There was a time when all of us boys had to drink it to maintain our health, that and taking gelatin pills filled with cayenne pepper, another health regimen we endured. I remember packages of empty gelatin pill casings which my parents would gently fill with the cayenne powder. Taking the pills wasn't so bad once you got accustomed to the warm glow in your stomach as the gelatin casing melted and released the spicy powder into the stomach fluids. I don't remember ever taking the tonic with the cayenne pill together thank goodness. Dad seemed to enjoy the drink, because as far as I know, he drank it for the rest of his life. Perhaps there was something to it, as up until his untimely and accidental death a few weeks shy of his 79th birthday, he was pretty fit and spry for his age, an inspirational icon of energy and physical activity to his family and those who knew him and loved him. Now, I can't speak for all my brothers, but I thought the tonic tasted like, well, it was not good. When I had to drink it, I would drink it as fast as I possibly could, and if, in my haste, I spilled some, all the better. Then, having finished it, I would drink more water afterwards to try and wash the taste out of my mouth. Anyway, to get back to the story, as little boys will do, for reasons that can never be explained, my littlest brother started filling up the wheelbarrow with the water. As far as I could remember, there wasn't a reason other than it just seemed like a good idea at the time in his young mind. He just stood there, unnoticed, filling the wheelbarrow with water. Suddenly it was drink time again. One of my brothers grabbed his cup from his proclaimed territory 
and walked over to the water hose to get a drink. Since getting a cool drink was more fun than working in the sun, we all followed suit and went for a water break. If it was drink time for one, it became water break time for all. While we waited our turn to fill our drinking cup, Dad saw an opportunity. He grabbed his extra-large Tupperware tonic cup and walked over to where we were standing next to the wheelbarrow, waiting to fill our cups with the hose. Those first in line were sipping their cup of water while the remainder of us were waiting our turn. Noticing the pool of water in the wheelbarrow, as Dad walked over, his eyes had a curious twinkle. I noticed it, but I had no idea why. I thought it must have been the excitement in getting a cool drink of water. Coming over as though he was going to get a drink with the rest of us, he dipped his cup into the wheelbarrow of water and then splashed it on us. Frozen in surprise for a split second by the spur-of-the-moment action, we instantly realized that permission had just been granted to get him and each other wet. Game on! Those of us with water in our cups immediately chased after Dad to splash him back in fun-filled revenge. Those with empty cups followed Dad's example and dipped into the wheelbarrow as fast as they could, the mountain of thirst forgotten in light of this new, spontaneous challenge. Soon, father and sons were running around the front yard, using the cottonwood tree in the center of the yard, as well as the cars in the driveway, as both a block from being splashed and the covering for the element of surprise in our own water attacks. All of us, Dad, my brothers, and I, were trying to splash each other, running by the wheelbarrow for a reload on the run, and then splashing anyone who we thought we could get wet without return fire, then running back to the wheelbarrow for another refill. The wheelbarrow emptied quickly. So, soon thereafter, in a moment of truce, Dad suggested we coil the running water hose in the bottom of the wheelbarrow for a constant supply of ammunition. Ooh, great idea. After a minute for the water levels to rise, the truce dissolved and the water battle resumed. After fifteen minutes or so, we were all soaked, waiting, again, for the ammunition to replenish. With one adult, two teens, a tween, and three younger boys running by with a large cup for refill every five seconds or so, splashing and spilling water on each run by the ammo barrel, the one green garden hose of free-flowing ammo just couldn't keep up. At one point, one of my brothers grabbed the water hose and began spraying everyone chasing them to the limits of the hose length, becoming all-powerful, having total control of the battle ammunition. An ammo king, as it were. A moment later, Dad grabbed the hose well out of range of the water spray and kinked it, playfully robbing the end of the hose of its power, rendering the ammo king powerless. Realizing his predicament, the ammo king dropped the hose, grabbed his cup, and beelined for the nearly empty wheelbarrow of water. Then, Dad became the new ammo king. He grabbed the hose and began chasing his sons with it as my brother had done. We tried to kink the hose as he had done, but he had made sure to keep his boys away from the hose with a steady stream of sprayed water. Besides, not all of us were strong enough to bend the hose, which was by now reinforced by the increased water pressure. Not to be outdone, one of my brothers got the bright idea of filling his cup in the kitchen sink Recognizing the genius in this strategy immediately, we all headed in to do the same, sometimes individually, sometimes all together. 
since we couldn't all fit around the faucet in the kitchen sink, and waiting to take turns seemed a waste of time, the bathroom faucets, both the sink and the tub, soon became alternate sources of ammo as well. It went without having to be said that splashing each other in the house would not be a good idea. After a few minutes of hearing the commotion of doors opening, faucets turning on and off, cups being filled, slowly, I might add, and then doors slamming shut, Mom came out of the back room to see what on earth was going on. Seeing that we were running in and out of the house, spilling water out of the cups in our hasty travels through the entryway and adjoining hallway, not to mention tracking mud and bits of grass into the house, she stepped outside. Darve, she began. Why are the boys running into the house and making a watery mess? Dad stared blankly back. Having been called back into adulthood, he had no good answer. All right, boys, let's clean up, was his only reply. Ugh, game over. As a parent now, I totally get it. But as a young teen at the time, choking off the fun, for any reason, was more than a little disappointing. My brothers and I, with the usual whining and bursts of drama, passionately expressed our desire to continue and not end the game. Dad, as he always did, and husbands always should, immediately adopted and enforced Mom's viewpoint. We stood there, dripping wet, holding our battle cups. Mom asked for the cups back, and we slowly yet obediently walked over and gave them to her. She stacked our cups into Dad's tonic cup and walked back into the house. Dad walked over and turned off the water at the spigot. The yard work had been done, mostly. The flowers and lawn had been watered. The walkways were wet, not to mention a little muddy, and the green hose was lying on the ground slowly draining water. An appropriate metaphor of the fun. However, the sudden quieting and stillness of activity was short-lived, as boys, young and old, do. The water fight may have ended, but the post-game commentary commenced. Each of us excitedly telling of our winning shots, disputing errant claims, reliving the best moments, basking in the shared memories as the hot desert sun baked our clothes dry. In the end, we all agreed. That was fun. When Billy Mink began inviting others to join him in the little pool, I don't know that he had a swimming party in mind. It was just a good idea that evolved with those who were there or happened to come along. But nevertheless, it strengthened friendships between everyone involved. So, too, was this little family water party. For those few moments, father and sons had become a band of brothers, growing a little closer that day. And, for me, it has been a favorite memory to this day. Again, I can't speak for my brothers. Frankly, I don't know how many of them even remember this day, let alone include it as one of their favorites. But as for this young teen, who didn't always feel close to my dad growing up, it is one of my favorite memories interacting with him. To my mind, it was the best dad day ever. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Billy Mink's Swimming Party, written by Thornton W. Burgess and published in 1910 in the book entitled Old Mother West Wind. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to check out our website at booksforyou.com. That's B-O-O-X, the numeral four in capital U, all one word, dot com. I am proud to be my grandkids' grandfather, 
and to have you enjoy this story journey with us. Thanks for being part of the Books for You family. I am your narrator and host, Stan Palmer. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the link with a friend on your favorite social media site. I hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Books for You.